Well, this is the saving of our souls that this focus on the armor of God is. We're wrapping up the sermon series on the book of Ephesians. So I think this morning, uh, maybe it's just because I've been away for a week and we're kind of jumping back in, or maybe it's because I don't like jumping in the middle of a sentence uh, to start a sermon. Uh, and so I'm going to uh, uh, just read the entire text of uh, Ephesians chapter, well, actually, I'm just going to start in verse 10 as I uh, go uh, to speak on standing firm. I'm going to start in verse 10 and read now through verse 20. We've been kind of piecemealing our way through it, but I think we should hear the whole text together. So listen carefully to these words from the Holy Scriptures. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against, the fle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. That's where I got the title for this whole series, uh, for this little sub-series, I should say, on the armor of God, to stand firm. And he tells us how we should stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your text this morning. Would you break it open to us, teach us, instruct us, bring home the things that we need to know. Change the things, the mistaken ideas we have, reinforce or strengthen the ones we have that are correct, that we might evermore take on more of you, Jesus. Evermore be found to be more like you, Jesus. Evermore be found relinquishing to your will, Father. And evermore be filled with the Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have come to the end of this. We're looking at verse 18. This is where we're going uh, to jump from. We're going to cover the, the next couple of verses, but I'll, I'll be honest, most of it will come out of verse 18 this morning, and then uh, we'll treat a little bit of what Paul tacks on there. He says we are to be praying at all times in the Spirit. I'm proposing to you that this, uh, this uh, verse 18 here is a continuation of what we covered two weeks ago. When, I, when he said you should have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, he says, uh, as in continuing, we should pray at all times in the Spirit. But at the same time, I also tell you that it's not just a continuation of two weeks ago of the, the sword of the Spirit, but it's also his wrapping together of the entire armor that we've been working through. I say that as a continuation because it's still about the Spirit. What I proposed to you two weeks ago was that in all the things that we talked about, we talked about the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace. We talked about the, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. In all those things, those are all things we're supposed to have to defend ourselves against the schemes of the devil, right? But it's left still with the question of how do we put those on? How do we pick up the shield of faith? How do we put on the shoes? What's that belt look like? Is that something we just walk out there and, and every morning we wake up and say, well, I'm going to stand firm against Satan, and so I'm going to... How does it actually look in application? And I propose to you that the application of all of that was actually the Holy Spirit. 
That's how you, and I made this point all the way through. I said, I said, the belt of truth, it's Jesus. Our defense is Jesus. The breastplate of righteousness, it's Jesus. Our defense is Jesus. The shield of faith, it's Jesus. Our defense is Jesus, over and over again. So how do we actually make that turn into flesh and blood? I think the answer is it's the Holy Spirit inside of this flesh and blood container. That's, that, that, that is our defense. Our defense goes as far as the Holy Spirit's residence and active working inside of us. I made that statement last time. I hope you haven't changed your mind in the two weeks or at least you'll agree with me. If you're fighting Satan on your own strength, it's not going to work. It won't be successful. That's the whole point of the book of Ephesians. That's the whole point of the Bible. That's the whole point. We can't do this. We can't work salvation by ourselves. We can't stand against the schemes of the enemy by ourselves. We're susceptible. If you don't believe that, then you're somehow putting yourself in a position more arrogantly, more pridefully than Adam and Eve themselves were because they couldn't stand against the serpent, could they? So you're gonna propose that you, and I don't think you are, but if you were to make that proposition that you are somehow better or more able to withstand Satan than they were? I would tell you that's the height of arrogancy. It's the height of pride. It's pride that got them in trouble to start with. And if you're gonna, anyway, I don't think you disagree with me. So now today, it's a continuation because it's still the work of the Spirit. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And how does that, how, how, how does that work out? It's the prayer in the Spirit. I'm also going to tell you, it's a summary. It's a putting together of the entire thing. And I say that because if you notice, there's one deviation here now from what we've faced the last number of weeks as we walk through the armor of God. He's not naming a specific piece anymore, is he? We had a belt. We had a breastplate. We had a shield. We had shoes. We had a sword. We had a helmet. We had physical, tangible things he kept drawing uh, attention to. And now he doesn't say that anymore. He doesn't say you have some object. He just says, this is how you put it on. Praying at all times in the Spirit. I've used this phrase before. I'm going to keep using it because I believe it. I've, I'm telling you, when I say this, like I'm standing here and I say this to you all the time. I, I'm sitting in the pews with you, right? I, I struggle with this as much as anybody else does, I'm sure. But prayer is the work. Prayer is the work. You want God to work in your life. You want things to change in your life. You want habits to change. You want thought patterns to change. You want situations to change. You want people to change, yourself or those around you. Prayer is the work. You want to stand against the enemy, prayer is the work. I, it's the thing that we say all the time in church. I'm just going to be really honest with you right now and this morning. It's always what I endeavor to do. But it's the thing we say all the time in the church. And yet, I think it might be the thing we could grow in the most. I've said it, and I don't know if saying it again will make it, like, sink in more or get more agreement, even within myself. If you want to put on the belt of truth, it comes through prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to be truth in you. You want to put on the breastplate of righteousness, it comes through prayer, asking Jesus' righteousness to be imputed to you, to protect your heart, to walk in that salvation, that righteousness that you have. It's not yours, it's Jesus in you. You want to have shoes, the gospel of peace? 
the only way to get them, to put them on, is by praying and asking the Holy Spirit to fill you with the peace of God that passes understanding and allows you to talk with people who are maybe very different than you. You want a shield of faith that wards off all the flaming darts of the evil one? The only option is to pray, asking the Holy Spirit to put up that shield to defend you, to remind you, to be, to be God in you, to be Christ in you. That is the hope of glory, I remind you, to be Christ in you. Every one of those, that's how it works out. Prayer is this intimate relationship that you have with God, this conversation, this communication, this avenue of help that you have with God. I see in these words, at every moment as you're involved in a very toe-to-toe battle, remember I gave you that picture, there, a very toe-to-toe battle with Satan, is this close. Something has to be even closer, right? There's an intimacy here, but I want you to see it's not an intimacy, it's not a relationship between equals. It's not like the Holy Spirit dwells in you and now there's this, this relationship between equals that you can now call... If that were true, you wouldn't need him. You understand that, right? That is not the relationship. The relationship is very much God the Almighty and me who desperately needs help because I'm a big mess. Right? There's two words used for prayer just in these verses right here. These two words, the first word is the word prosuke. It means prayer, of course. It's the word that comes right in the very first, very first word in the ESV anyway, in verse 18. Praying at all times. Prosuke, but it actually carries the implication or idea of worship. It's the kind of prayer that we don't often think about because we don't operate like this anymore. But when you walked into royalty's presence in that world, then you did one thing. You went down on your knees and you worshiped them. That's the word they use. You worshiped them. You prayed to them. Now, that seems weird to us because we think of prayer as sort of this like asking God for things, which can be true. But it's only a part of prayer. Prayer is worshiping. The word prosuke is to be worshiping God, to be saying good things of him to him. That's what that means, literally, like broken down in his face, pros, towards. So this kind of prayer is worship. The second kind of prayer mentioned, he says, you should be praying in the spirit with all prayer. That's still prosuke. And supplication is the Greek word deasis which means a petition. This is the asking part. I would tell you this indicates dependence. And I think in there we find a very nice definition of prayer. Prayer is worship and dependence. The intimate relationship we have with God through the Holy Spirit inside of us is one of worship and dependence. Worshiping God for who he is and what he's done and is doing inside of us and dependence upon him because every good thing, every good and perfect gift comes from him, right? Everything that's good in our life is from him. I mean, by the way, you're looking at me. I'm not sure you all agree with that or not, but it's my position. You don't have a good thing in your life. You don't have anything that's working out well that's not from God. It's not because of what you did. It's not how cool or special or smart or strong or clever or fill in the gap with whatever other adjective we like to talk about ourselves with. It's not because of that. It's because of God. And if I believe that, then prayer is the communion I have with God, the intimate relationship I have with God in the Spirit, through the Spirit, of worshiping Him and depending upon Him. Now, as I sat at my desk this week to prepare for this message, I actually struggled a fair amount 
like for the better part of a day, actually, which is quite frustrating because it's a short week already because we came home from South Carolina this week. But I struggled with how to put this together because there are verses all over the Bible about prayer. I don't know that there's hardly a book in the Bible that you can read that doesn't have something to do with either somebody praying, worshiping, or depending on God, or some teaching on prayer, or some admonition. And furthermore, it's hard, there's so much of this all wrapped together, it's hard to kind of, it was hard for me to kind of find out where do I start and how do I lay this out? So it, I, I like to, I, this is one of the ways that I think. I like to lay things out in sort of orderly, move in an orderly fashion from here to there, here to here to make a logical conclusion. And it's like this, it's like this ball of yarn instead. And I pull here and I'm like, well, but I gotta be here first. And I, well, then I pull it. And it's like, I don't know how to get to all this. And just quite blatantly, honestly, there's not a single chance I can teach on prayer and cover the whole gamut of it in the time that I will take this morning. It's not possible. Actually, uh, my intention, just so you know, I don't know if you guys like when I do this stuff like this, but I, I like to kind of give you high-level views sometimes. My intention is, believe it or not, we are one week away, at least as far as I know, we're one week away from finishing the series on Ephesians. So Lord willing, next week, I'm planning to do that. In two weeks, we're gonna have a guest speaker here. So in three weeks, the first Sunday in November, I would like to, Lord willing, to revisit the subject on prayer and come at it again with some more stuff that the Bible talks about prayer and come at it with a little bit more of the, of the feel of discipleship, which is the theme for this year, the, the avenue that prayer plays in, in discipling people. I tell you again, prayer is the work. If we want to make disciples who make disciples make disciples, prayer is how that happens. Again, it doesn't come from our clever teaching or the cool ways we can line out. Here's the 10 ways that you'd have to do, 10 things you have to do to be faithful to Jesus or here's the three things that have to happen for you to go to heaven. It doesn't come through those things. It comes through the work of the Holy Spirit in people's lives, which happens when we pray, when we ask God to move in their hearts and to change situations. So, we can't cover all of it. We're gonna try. I'm gonna make a couple of observations from the text here this morning and just sort of, I, I, I'm, I'm expecting, I don't know how it's gonna come out, but I'm expecting that we're gonna talk about this and this and this and this angle and you're gonna see how that all starts fitting together and get an idea of the whole thing and see lots of confirmation, lots of things that I, I couldn't, anyway. But I wanna just, before I jump into that, I wanna say one more thing. This is the work of the Spirit. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Paul is very clear. He writes this in Romans chapter eight. He says, the spirit helps us in our weakness. The spirit helps us in our weakness. And he's actually talking about prayer. He says, well, we do not know what to pray as we ought, pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now there's all kinds of places we could go to talk about how, what good news that is, how good news that is. Because it's those moments when you don't know for sure what, you to, what to pray. You just know that something's not right and you need God to fix it, right? Or you're not sure how to put it into words that something isn't working out like, like you thought it should. And, and you're not sure how to communicate what you'd really like to see God do in someone's life or in your own life or whatever it might be. And the Holy Spirit is able to intercede for us with things that we can't put words in. There's, there's communication between our spirit and God through our, the Holy Spirit that he intercedes for us. The other reason this is the best news of all is that if we want to pray according to God's will, how many of you want to pray according to God's will? I want to pray according to God's will. It's the only way it's actually going to happen, by the way, right? Because God's in charge. But if you want to pray according to God's will, you absolutely need the Holy Spirit to be involved because the very next verse says that he will always, you know, I should just read it so I don't get it wrong. 
The very next verse says, Romans 8, 27, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You see, the Holy Spirit knows the will of God, right? And so he always knows what's the right thing to pray for. He also knows our hearts. It's this wonderful union. It's unbelievable. I think it's the thing that probably fails to excite us more than anything that ought to be the most like dynamic gangbusters. I can't believe God really did this thing that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. Someone who knows me better than I know myself and also at the same time knows exactly what God's will is, dwells and res resides in you and wants to in fact order my steps. And somehow in the middle of all that, and this is not the point of this morning's message, but somehow in the middle of all that, we get caught all the time with this attitude of like, eh, that's no biggie. I got this. I can figure this out. I know what to do in this situation. I know how to handle this. I don't need that. Now, I know we would rarely say that out loud, right? Right? Or do you say it out loud? I hope you don't. But the problem is, it doesn't matter if we say it out loud or not, because the way we live our lives actually is the proof of the pudding. Well, I want to bring us a couple words that I think come out of the text here this morning that I'm just gonna, we're just going to talk around and help us shape this ball of yarn about prayer. First word is the word all. I don't know if you realize this when I read the text. I didn't start in verse 18, so it's kind of like buried in the middle, but it's the first verse of what our actual text is this morning. In verse 18, the word all is used four times. Did you catch that? Four times in one little verse. That tells me we should pay attention to what Paul is saying when he says all, 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 all. So we're just gonna walk through them. First of all, he says we should pray we already know this one, but we should pray at all times. This word is the word occasion. There are all kinds of occasions. We should be praying all the time. It should be part of who we are. We should be praying on all occasions. Just to give a little credibility to what I'm saying and, and back that up a little bit and just sort of start this ball of yarn, I'm gonna just turn to Luke chapter 21, verse 36. Jesus, after he's telling his disciples some things that may take place down the road and it sounded a little bit scary and they weren't sure, he says this in 21, verse 36. He says, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So when things are looking a little dicey in the world around you, and boy, is that true for us today. When things are looking a little dicey in the world around us, he says, watch yourselves and stay awake all the time. And not just so that you're awake for awake's sake, but you're praying while you're awake. He said, stay awake and pray that you may have the strength to escape all these things and pray that you may have the strength to stand before Jesus. We are to pray at all times. Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, he phrased it this way in chapter four, verse two. He says, you should continue steadfastly ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. You should continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, there's a good lesson for us because I just put the two things together, right? When things start looking dicey outside of you and you're supposed to be praying all the time so that you have the strength to stand before Jesus, to not have to walk through that. He couples that. He says, pray all the time, be awake, but pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. What a challenge for us. In, in his letter to the Philippians, Paul wrote these words in 4 verse 6. We know this very well. He says, we should not be anxious about anything. We should not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, uses those two words again, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God through worship and dependence on God. 
Let your requests be made known to him. Or he could just go to the very simple, very short, very to the point phrase in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, where Paul says we should pray without ceasing. You know, I could read verse after verse after verse, and somehow Paul says, you know what? I'm going to cut to the chase. I'm going to go right to the heart of the matter. You should. I mean, it's one thing to say you should pray at all, at all occasions and use all this other language. How about I just put it plain out there for you? You should pray without ceasing. Now, let me just take an opportunity, because sometimes I think we read those things, and we think, how is this possible? Am I really expected to pray without ceasing? We can have more conversation about this, but let me give to you what I think, what I often interpret, or how I often look at prayer in our lives. One of the things I think is true about us that we rarely acknowledge or think about it, at least for spiritual terms, is the fact that God made these incredible things in our heads called brains, and one of the things that our brains can do is something called multitasking. You all know what multitasking is, right? Most of you are probably doing it right now, actually, because you're at least attempting or making a show of listening to me while I talk, and you're probably also thinking of other things, or you're doing something else, or you're, who knows what else is going on, but you have this ability. And, I, and sometimes people get, to, to get frustrated and say, pay attention, like focus, and that's good, we should be focused. I actually think it's a really incredible thing that God allowed us or made our brains so that we can multitask. I just think it needs to be put to the right use. I think that one of the best ways to honor this pray without ceasing is, is to recognize that we have the ability to multitask, which means we can actually have a little background conversation with God all the time we're doing stuff like right here, right? Like we can be talking to someone and be asking the Holy Spirit to help us say the right things. We can be wrestling with something and be asking God to help us figure this out. We can be looking for something, and the whole time back here, there's this background conversation. We're like, God, I need your help, because if you don't help me, if you, you know exactly what this item is that I'm looking for, and that's, those are small things. Some of the other things I mentioned weren't, weren't small things. You can be having a conversation with a Muslim man. You can be talking to somebody. You can be talking to a brother or sister. You, you can be in a tense conversation, and you should, and you should work on developing the ability to multitask so that you can be having a conversation with God and asking for his influence on what you're doing and how you're behaving and what you're saying while you're talking to someone or having some interacting some situation. I think that's what it means to pray without ceasing. It's the atmosphere or the trained, can I say it that way? The trained awareness that you can actually be talking to God back here while you're doing something up here. You see, we multitask all the time. It's just, are we going to use that for the holy spiritual purpose that, that or it's really, I think, designed for? Now, contrast that with, by the way, I think the other question sometimes is people say, well, if that's true, then I don't really ever need to have like a time of prayer. Because I would say, no, 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 no. There's clear instances in scripture and clear admonitions given where we do stop everything else, where we do set aside other things, and we're not driving, and we're not doing our homework, and we're not talking to someone, and we're not doing other things, we're not multitasking, we are saying, God, you deserve all of my attention right now, and I'm gonna give it to you. So I think both are actually true. I think when we talk about prayer, both are true. We pray all the time, back here, doesn't have to be out loud, but back here in our heads. By the way, can I, can I what, maybe this is not useful for you, but something that was useful in my life to, to try to work towards that, and I'm not saying I have it nailed down, but I've grown a lot in this. One of the things I actually did was I did actually pray out loud. Like when I was in situations where I needed God's help, I just said it out loud. And it can be a little awkward sometimes because sometimes you're around people, right? Or if you're not sure what to say and you sometimes just say, God, I, I need your help in knowing what to say. And it can be a little weird because you're that, that weird guy that's talking to himself over there or better yet, in some conversation with somebody and you're talking to Anyway, 
But it's a really good discipline, by the way, because it helps train you to say, hey, every moment of my life is an opportunity to worship God and depend on him. And it's a lot more likely to happen when I say it out loud. That's also, I think, just something that you can show Jesus that he's worth you looking like a fool in front of people sometimes. That's not the point of it. That's not why you do it. But then there should be times where we also put everything aside and pray. Especially when we're in the middle of some things we're gonna talk about this morning. So, we should pray all the time. And he says we should pray. The second all comes with all prayer and supplication. With all things of worship, all items of prosuke, and with all items of deasis. Now, this is something I think that when uh, those of us who have been in India, we've discovered that uh, they, they often put us to shame because they pray about everything all the time. Now, in my own experience, and I'm, I'm, in, I'm not being critical at all, please understand, because I just lifted them up above us. So if, if anyway, I, I think they, they often do the deistic part well. I don't know that they do the worship part well. I think it should be ingrained in us that all things that happen, when something good happens, just stop for a moment and say, God, thank you. That was incredible. Thank you for, 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 doing, for working out whatever just happened. What, however it comes out, whatever just happened in front of you. I think if we want to translate these two, I think we should put it this way. We should see every occasion as an opportunity to either worship God or depend on him. One of the two. Because there's either something that just happened well, thank you, Lord, or something that's not going well, I need your help, Lord. You see, it's this frame of mind. It's reshifting how we see things. That's why we look at verses like pray without ceasing. That's not possible. It's not possible because I spend most of my time trying to figure out what I should do myself. Instead of having this this mindset or this attitude or this, this thing that the Holy Spirit is doing inside of me where I see every occasion as an opportunity to either worship God or depend on Him, or often actually both together. You understand it actually is worship of God to depend on Him, right? You, you can't separate the two. It is glory, glorying unto God to come to Him and say, God, I need you. I depend on you. If you don't do this, it's not gonna happen. And thank you for what you're doing inside of me. Anyway, we pray at all times, with all prayer and supplication. And then he says, right after that, he said we should uh, keep alert with all perseverance, with all stick to if you want to use that as a phrase that's what that word means, that we continue. And here we start facing some things that aren't as quite as nice and rosy to hear. It's great to have this mindset that says, man, all the time, every occasion, everything that happens to me, I'm praising God or I'm leaning on him. And we have to realize that he throws in this little thing that we have to do it with all perseverance, which indicates to us that things don't happen on our timeline. Things don't happen according to our schedule of events, do they? It's a good thing, by the way, because we're awfully selfish. We're awfully narrow-minded. But things don't happen on our timeline. We are to persevere we are to wrestle with. We are to stick to it. We're supposed to keep going. And for this, rather than pointing out scriptures to you, I just want to show a couple of characters to you. We could go all the way back. There's all kinds of them. We could go all the way back to Jacob. And he wrestles with his night visitor, right? And he wrestles all night long. And he says, I'm not going to let you go until you give me a blessing. In many places, many times, you've probably heard sermons preached on that because about prayer, about, about, about saying, I'm going to hang on to you, God, until, I, I, until you, you're hearing my request. He was finally making a switch from Jacob the supplanter, Jacob the deceiver, to Jacob the one who will walk in God's blessing, trusting him. He was about to meet his brother Esau, whom he had cheated out of all kinds of stuff already. 
You see why he was hanging on. You see why he was fighting, right? You see why he was saying, I, I can't move from this spot, God, unless you intervene, because if you don't, I'm a dead man. Or you could go to the Canaanite woman who was around. She didn't, we don't even know her name. The Canaanite woman was around when Jesus was walking around, and she comes to Jesus and begs for Jesus to help her to heal. And he says, no, I'm here for the Jews only. And she persists. She perseveres. She says some pretty unkind things about herself. Even the dogs get crumbs now and then. And Jesus, because of her perseverance, says, your faith, your faith has persevered and has healed you. Or when Jesus teaches on prayer of all the things, and I'm sure I've talked about this before because it seems like such a weird, uncharacteristic thing for us. He teaches on prayer and he says, hey, prayer is like when you show up at your buddy's house in the middle of the night and you knock on the door because you need something because you had guests show up. And, and he's like, nope, I got everything buttoned up. I'm not coming to the door. I'm in the bed. My kids are in bed. Everything's settled down for the night. I'm not coming. And you just keep on knocking and you keep on knocking. And he doesn't say it quite like this, but the implication is, and you make yourself enough of a nuisance until he finally gets out of bed and opens the door and says, sure, I'll give you some of my bread. Now, that's not how God operates, by the way begrudgingly. But his point is, we have need of perseverance. You start thinking of some of those examples of persevering prayer in Scripture, and it's no wonder when Jesus told another parable about a widow and an unrighteous judge. And the point of the parable was that we should always keep praying and not give up. At the end of that, do you know what Jesus says at the end of that? He actually asked a question. It's in Luke chapter 18, verse 8. He says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on earth? That comes in the context of prayer. When Jesus returns, is he going to find people who are willing to persevere in prayer? If you don't want to believe, and I'm sorry if I'm bursting your bubble, but if you don't want to believe that in the end things will get worse and worse and worse, here to me is a statement where Jesus is very clearly undergirding that kind of teaching to say, it's going to require persevering prayer. It's not going to be you lift your hands and you say, God, can you change the situation? And God says, changed. Sure, God works that way sometimes. Praise God when he does. But very often he doesn't. And you know, let's be honest, guys. We're in church. We got to be honest, right? We got, we got to bear our hearts. You all know this already because you all know people in your lives that you wish God would have already snapped his finger, so to speak, and changed them, and he hasn't. And you have to keep praying, 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 and you have to keep praying. And I could go on for the rest of today. This question drills down so quickly to my unwillingness to be put at a disadvantage or to, be, to, to just stick to something or to, to be willing to let God's timetable work out because Jesus looks at us and he says, I'm wondering if when I come back, anybody's going to be left praying or if they've all given up by then. <laughs> Do you see how prayer is the Holy Spirit working in us, worshiping and depending on God. We pray at all times with all prayer and supplication, with all perseverance, and of course he closed it out by saying, we're praying for all the saints. And here again, friends, 
we come up to, we've, we've bumped into this over and over again. I've said it, I don't know, if I've said it once or twice, I've probably said it dozens of times to you. This letter was written to a church, to a group of believers. And while it's been, it's been, it's been possible for us to walk through the entire armor of God and sort of see them as individual pieces. And I tried to warn us or to get us to say, that's not just what we're talking about. But we've walked through it. And now here, I think he's putting it all together. And he's saying, listen, you're praying for other people. You're praying for the other saints. Now, that's not to say you don't pray for yourself. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. You pray for yourself too, of course, no question. But you're praying for other people. You're praying that we together can have the armor of God on, that we together can fight or stand against the schemes of the devil. Because you know what? When the devil is pressing in, those are usually the people that are least in the position to stand strong. They're not feeling strong at all. They're feeling beat up. They're feeling discouraged. They're feeling like this, like they're going through the ringer right now. There's people among us that are feeling like that right now. They're going through difficult situations, wanting to see God move, and God isn't doing what we think he should do, what we'd like to see him do, and they're feeling like a dish rag wrung out. It's that scenario that's for the church to step up and to pray on all occasions with all prayer and supplication and persevering in it because we're praying for those brothers and sisters who we call church members, bodies, uh, body, members of the body of Christ. Amen. That's why we exist. We are in this fight against the schemes of the devil together, not by ourselves. Again, we, we, we all know this, right? Like when I'm being pressed, it feels so incredibly encouraging to have people praying for me. It changes it. Those of us who've walked through, it changes that. that well, it doesn't change the outcome always, at least not right away. Maybe not ever. But it changes how we walk through that. Ernie Ruby just stood in front of you today and, and, and confessed to that. And they weren't the only ones who could. So let's make sure we remember to flip that around. Can we? So that we would do that for those who are going through. And I'm gonna tell you, again, this, this, is, such, this is such a great this is such a great dance together, partnership together. Maybe you don't like the word dance. Because you know what, guys? We cannot stand in prayer with you if we don't know, if we don't know what you're going through. Amen. We can't read minds. Now, some of us are very perceptive here. I have those of you in the congregation here, which I'm, I'm so grateful to God for, that come to me and say, hey, what's going on with this person over here? Because I can, I can just tell. And I'm clueless because that's, that's not my gifting. We need that, but we also need people who are willing to trust their brothers and sisters in Christ, that they love them and will pray for them in these ways to stand up, and, and it's happening, right? You guys are doing it, but to stand up and to say, here's how I'm going through the ringer right now. Could you pray for me? This is how Satan is pressing in right now on me. I need the breastplate of righteousness. I need the belt of truth. I need the shield of faith right now because the enemy's hurling everything he can at me. You know, guys, we're the ones that help each other hold up that shield of faith for somebody. That's what he's talking about. We're praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, with all perseverance for all the saints. Let's keep moving. We gotta, we gotta work towards others. I, this interesting phrase came to me as I was thinking about prayer and I just, I'm gonna put it up here. I'm gonna give you a brief example of both what I mean here. We pray for you, for ourselves. We pray for others. And somehow I'm gonna work this word agony in here, which is also not a word we probably like to hear because nobody likes agony. I, I don't like agony. Maybe you would like agony. I don't like agony. Very clearly in scripture, 
we are to pray for ourselves. It is a defense. This whole text has been about defense, right? It's been about how to defend ourselves against the schemes of the devil. And we pray for ourselves in that defense. We ask God to intercede. We, in the spirit, say, would you come be our breastplate of righteousness or our helmet of salvation, whatever it is. Our example for this comes from none other than Jesus himself. In this incredible scene of the Garden of Gethsemane, when he walks out with his disciples. By the way, that, that scene is all about prayer. Have you ever thought about that? It's all about prayer. He turns to his disciples and he says, Pray, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He goes away and he prays. He comes back, they're sleeping. He says, could you not pray with me for one hour? And he leaves again and he, and he continues to pray. And Luke records it this way. Luke says, and being in agony, Jesus was in agony. He desperately needed God's help. He was being pressed in on all sides by Satan. Believe it or not, I, I, I believe probably more so at this point than about any other point in his entire life here on earth. He was being pressed in to abandon ship, to go some other direction, to not follow through with what he knew God was asking him to do. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. When the pressure rose, he prayed more. He didn't shrink back. He prayed more earnestly, so much so that Luke records that sweat, this, sorry, get, get it out, that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. We are to agonize in prayer for ourselves. When things get tough, that when the agony rises, when it's more difficult, that we pray more earnestly. Now, flip that around. Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, it is, is an incredible letter. It's one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. But he mentions this guy at the beginning and at the end of the letter. The man's name is Epaphras. And I'm telling you, we need Epaphras in our church. We need people who are willing to be an Epaphras here at Riverview. We need people to sign up. Maybe I should put a check, a sign-up list out there. Yeah, bring food for people. That's good stuff. But where's the sign-up list to say, I want to be an Epaphras? You know what Paul says about him? Paul says, he's the guy that came from Colossae to Paul to tell him how they were doing, to tell him what was going on, and he was going to take a message back. He actually probably took the letter back to the Colossians. But Paul says this at the closing of the letter. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, look what he says, he greets you. He's always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. There was somebody, there's a church in Colossae and some guy who was far away from there and he's with Paul and he's representing these things and he's doing stuff with Paul and the whole time Paul says, I watched him do it. The whole time he says, on his heart was you guys talking to the church of Colossae. You were on his heart. He kept praying for you. He kept struggling for you. He was always praying that you would stand mature and that you would be fully assured in the will of God. Now, remember I used the word agony? That's a word we don't like, but the connection between the two is, you know, you saw the first one probably clearly. Jesus being in agony prayed more earnestly. But in this verse, when it says that Epaphras was always struggling, the Greek word is the word agonizamai which means, as you might guess, he agonized. Epaphras agonized over the believers at Colossae. You see why I say we need people like Epaphras in this church? We need someone or someones who are willing to agonize in prayer over those that come to church here. Oh, sure. Now, please, I... I I do things like this all the time, and I'm not trying to, I'm not berating you. I'm not, I, this church is a wonderful church. You, I hope you know that. I love all of you, and I actually think there's a really solid group of really committed Christians here. Please understand. But my position is always like it is for me. I have so much room to grow. I have such a need to grow still. 
Because we're willing when something's really difficult, or it's really obvious, we're willing to pray a couple times for people. I'm telling you, I'm convinced that were we to see agonizing prayer from our church, it would be even completely different. I will tell you, it may not mean necessarily that we're all happy and healthy and well-fed. It may not even mean that we're all here. I think it's worth being bluntly honest with you that when the Holy Spirit of God moves powerfully, there are some of us who say, I'm not interested in that, and I don't want to be there anymore. Please understand, I'm not thinking of any specific people when I make statements like that. I hope you understand that. I mean that sincerely. It's just a reality. However, I can tell you, if there's something we need, it's more of Jesus in our lives. It's to be more conformed to the image of his son. It's to be more of what Paul said. I jumped right over it and I was gonna talk about it. It's to be more of what Paul said. You notice the specific prayer request Paul gave? The specific prayer request Paul gave. He says, by the way, you're praying for all the saints. Pray for me also and pray what? What did he ask that he would pray for? You, you tell me, you've been quiet. I haven't asked you any questions this morning. What did he ask them to pray for Paul? For boldness. Boldness to proclaim the gospel. The mystery of what Jesus is doing that mystery, by the way, as he tells, says in other letters, is Christ in you, that the Holy Spirit inside of you for all people, not just for Jews, for Gentiles. That's the, that's the mystery of the gospel according to Paul. He said, I want you to pray that I will boldly proclaim what I ought to say, not hold back. Interestingly, ironically, in a text that's all about defense, we read something that's very, well, I say offensive. I don't mean like offensive, like it bothers you, but on the offense, Right? but I'd like you to consider something. This is the beauty of how God's kingdom works. I'm not sure that's even what Paul has in mind because Paul is very clear, Stanley read the verse this morning, that he wants to be able to defend his hope and why he says, believes what he believes about Jesus in every situation. Isn't it amazing that God and his kingdom are such that, that when you will boldly proclaim your hope in Jesus as a defense, it actually furthers the kingdom of God as well. It actually is a thing of offense. That's how it works. So they're actually inseparable. I don't think you can really say, well, I'm doing this defensively, but this I'm going on there. No, it's the same thing. I'm declaring the hope I have, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I do that as a defense or an offense, doesn't matter, both are actually happening. They're both true, it goes both ways. We need people who are, will be an epiphras in this body. We need numbers of them. I'm gonna close out with one more thing. If Indeed, this is a continuation of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we want to pray in the will of God, which I think we all established we want to. Then it seems critical to me that we pray prayers of Scripture. Prayers that come out of Scripture. Or perhaps even just Scripture itself. I think this is a fascinating area of growth for us. It has been in my life. A fascinating area of growth is to look for Scriptures that are prayers, or can be prayers, and memorize them so that I can actually pray for them on the spot with people when I don't have a Bible right in front of me. Let me offer to you a couple of suggestions this morning of things that would be good for us to memorize and pray for one another. I want to see, have you see both the prosuke, the worship, and the deesis, the petition in these prayers. These come right out of scripture. 
First is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter one. I'm gonna read verses nine to 11. You can flip there if you'd like in your Bible. Actually, I put them on the screen. I didn't put the verses, I put the reference on the screen. You have them on your handout as well, so you know where we're gonna go. Or you can just listen to them. Here's a, Paul, here's a prayer that Paul prayed. He says in verse nine, Philippians one, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now that is a short, succinct prayer that hits about every single button you wanna hit as you're praying for people. Memorize that prayer, memorize those verses. It's probably not very high on our list often of memorizing Philippians 1, 9 through 11, but I'm telling you, it's the kind of prayers we ought to pray for each other. I'm praying that your love would abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you can approve what's excellent. And the reason I want you to prove what's excellent is so that you can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, that you're filled with the fruit of righteousness. All that glory goes to God. Man, what would happen if we began praying this kind of prayer for each other? Or we could go to Colossians, one of my favorites, one that I actually did memorize. Colossians chapter one, verses nine to 14, as Paul opens his letter to the Colossians, he says this, and so from the day that we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. How many people do you think Paul knew? How many churches did he plant? How many shoulders did he rub? Look at what he says. From the day that we heard, I have not ceased to pray. We have not ceased to pray for you. Asking that you... Here's what he's asking. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, of God's will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What would happen if we begin to pray that for each other? I pray that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you might live a life worthy of him, fully pleasing to him, full of all kinds of good fruit. I pray that you be strengthened with all with his power so that you can be have endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to him who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Man, that's what God's will is for all of us, by the way. And that's power. That's what God is asking us to ask for of him for to work in each other. You know, we did, I, I went to other letters. We could, we could have gone, you know, Paul is not just saying things and pulling them out and saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm teaching you this, but I don't do it myself. He's actually, we could just go right back in Ephesians. Do you know there's actually two very powerful prayers in Ephesians we've already covered? We'll cover them this morning. Ephesians chapter one, verses 15 to 25. Paul says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, 
What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, there's some mouthfuls in there to memorize, right? I think we're to pray at all times with all prayer and supplication, with all perseverance for all the saints. We're to agonize in prayer. I think it's worth memorizing a few mouthfuls. And you don't have to pray these words exactly. Let me, tell, let me just be clear about that. But if you can, why wouldn't you? Why would you think that my words that come from me are gonna be more powerful than the Holy Spirit-inspired words that are in the pages of Scripture? And, of course, we covered this too. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through the end of the chapter there. I think it's 20 or 21. 21, I think it is. Paul says this. For this reason I bow my knees before my Father, he's praying, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, not just in closing out the book of Ephesians, and in saying we want to put on the armor of God to stand firm. But so that we can truly walk in the path that God has before us to be disciples who make disciples and make other, who will make other disciples. These are the kinds of prayers I believe that we are to be offering and asking for each other. For ourselves, for each other. The Lord invites us, taste and see that the Lord is good. Try me, right? Try me. And here's an area I believe that the Lord is inviting us at Riverview, 2020, 2022, can't even get the year right this morning. He's inviting us to test him, to try, to see what will happen if we take him at his word and begin to pray these kinds of prayers for each other. Instead of harping on what someone's not doing right, instead of arguing about what's not happening out there, maybe not just for each other, maybe for people out there too, instead of wringing our hands, or when we're wrestling with something that we just can't get past and are willing to stand in front of the church and say, I need help with this, and our response is, yes. God, fill them with strength, fill them with wisdom, fill them with these prayers that we were praying this morning. Look at what he says. He says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love. I'll tell you, when we are secure in Christ, there's all kinds of things we can walk through. There's all kinds of things we say no to, right? That's when temptations have a hold on us, is because we're not secure in Christ. 
There's all kinds of things we could say no to. There's all kinds of things we're willing to walk through. There's all kinds of boldness that we have from sharing Christ. There's all kinds of things we'll do in obedience to the Holy Spirit. There's all kinds of things. And that security is right in this prayer. That you be rooted and grounded in love. That you would know who you belong to. That you are Christ. Those are the prayers we are to pray for each other. I can't ask anything of you. But if I can exhort and encourage and get as close to demanding as I can, can we please have different ones of us memorize these kinds of prayers, memorize the heart of these kinds of scriptures and begin to pray them for us? In, at home, by yourself, and with each other, out loud. Let's see what God will do among us. God, thank you so much for your work in us. I'm always amazed at how, this, how this, these both, both of these can be true at the same time. I'm so encouraged and I'm so, I see so clearly your work and the good things you're doing and the growth and the maturity and the, and the people that are here at Riverview, the blessing it's been for me to pastor them, their sincerity, their hunger for the word, for the truth, to, to walk righteously, uprightly, to be faithful to you, to endure to the end. I, I just, it, 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 it blesses me. It's, it's so clear to me and I, I love it. And I love it. And thank you for your encouragement and, your, and, and the body that you're given here, the growth, the things that you're doing. And somehow at the same time as I see all of that, as I can even see it in my own life, I also see, oh, we have so much room to grow. We have such a need for you. We're still so selfish. We're still so set on getting what we want. We're still so unhappy or discontent when it doesn't always work out like we wish it would or when others are getting things we wish, think we should have or I don't, I don't know what, it's all the things that are, I'm still so proud and arrogant. So we see we have great need for you to continue working. I have such a need to continue to relinquish my will to you that the Holy Spirit can have his way in me, through me, Take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. Take every inclination of the heart, transform it. To put your law in my heart, a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. To walk willingly, to desire to please you with all that I have because I love you, because I've seen your great love for me. To grow ever closer, to come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in a time of need, to worship Jesus more freely, more boldly, more often, more in, every, in, in everything I do. Thank you for this avenue of prayer, God, and I know that I have just scratched the surface this morning. I know that I've only scratched the surface in my life. I want to grow in that. I thank you that your hand moves, your spirit has moved, your heart is moved for the prayer of your saints. I thank you that you give us the imagery of just the aroma of sacrifice, the aroma drifting to you, the prayers of the saints. Oh God, we want to be a pleasing aroma to you here at Riverview. We want to be a people of prayer. We want to worship you and depend on you in everything we do. 
the words come out of our mouth, the attitude that's in our hearts, the things that are running through our heads, that we see every occasion as an opportunity to worship you or, or to depend upon you as we lift each other up, as we persevere. Oh, we have such a need for endurance in, this, in, our, in our lives today, God. Thank you that you are faithful to us. Thank you that we can trust and rely upon you and that you will finish the work that you've started in us, that you will keep that which we've committed to you until that day. Thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name.